Again, so glad that you're here this evening. We're going to jump back in tonight to the book of Ezra. And we're going to be looking at Ezra chapter 3 once again, if you want to turn there. And uh, we'll start reading uh, right now. We'll start reading in verse, uh, verse uh, chapter 4, verse 1. And it says this in Ezra 3, in Ezra 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of captivity builded the temple of the, uh, uh, unto the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as ye do. And we do sacrifice unto him since the days of uh, Esarhaddon, king of Esor, uh, which brought us up hither. Uh, this last couple of weeks, the first week, we talked about the opportunity for a comeback. Uh, and we talked about that, and we talked about uh, that, that being what the remnant had, had done. Uh, and they had come back from Babylon, they come back from captivity. The second week, we talked about the idea of the return of the vessels. Uh, and we talked about the return of the vessels of prayer and of church attendance and of purity and of personal evangelism, of fellowship. Uh, like the vessels that were stolen from the temple uh, and were returned by Cyrus to Jerusalem. And then the third week, we talked about the fact that we are individuals, but we are individuals serving together, and that we need to be unified, and we need to be consistent, and we need to be patient as we worship the Lord together during that comeback. Tonight, uh, we're, we're continuing on. Uh, we'll be continuing to follow the Jewish nation and the return to Jerusalem uh, to their pre-captivity li- or, uh, uh, to their pre-captivity lives, what it, what, coming back to the, what, what it was before captivity, uh, and to their right relationships with God. Uh, tonight, we take a look at the blessings uh, and the struggle that will sometimes come as blessing occurs. Uh, it's it's like our sinful nature. Uh, it's like our sinful nature, it doesn't have to be, uh, it, it is not happy, okay? Um, we have the idea that there will always be something, no matter how minuscule, to complain about. There's, there's things that come along in our lives, um, and, and, you know, blessings that come, and, and then we'll find things that we'll, we'll find to complain about. Um, the Bible calls these adversaries that we read about in, in verse 1 and 2, uh, before we even hear of the problem, okay? They're called adver- adversaries here before we even hear of the problem. Um, and the question for you is this, did you, did you ever have that situation where everything was going great and then along came and then, you know, you fill in the blank, everything's going great. And then along came, you know, maybe it's a person, maybe it's a situation. Uh, and, and maybe, you know, you were that person, maybe you were that person where everything was going great for someone else. And then along came you, <laughs> um, and that's not, that's not what you want to be. You don't want to be that person. Um, but we've probably all been on both sides of that equation. Uh, but the idea here is that this unidentified person is already known for making trouble. It's that one person that everyone knows about in the crowd. <laughs> uh, it seems like there's somebody that's, that's that way, and, and there's nobody in here like that tonight. Okay? I, I don't, at least I wouldn't know uh, if there was. Uh, tonight, let's take a look now at how we got to this point in Ezra 4, 1, and 2, uh, and then how uh, the Jewish nation responds to such a group of people. Last week we finished in verse 7, uh, and the materials began to be gathered for the rebuilding of the temple. Uh, and, and we'll take now a look at the next two verses, two years later, uh, that this is not a small project taking place. This is not a small project taking place. Again, last week we saw the unity, we saw the consistency, we saw the patience. And to now, now tonight we're going to take a look at the first point tonight is, is the priority of worship. The priority of worship. 
Uh, and we're going to take a look at Ezra chapter 3 and verse 8, which says this. Now in the second year of their coming unto the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month began Zerubbabel the son of Sheatiel, and Jeshua the son of Josedek, and the remnant of their brethren, the priests of the Levites, and all they that were come out of the captivity unto Jerusalem, and appointed the Levites from twenty years old and upward to set forward the work of the house of the Lord. Verse 9. Then stood Jeshua with his sons and his brethren, Cadmiel and his sons, the sons of Judah, together to set forward the workmen in the house of God, the sons of Henadad with their sons and the brethren of, uh, and their brethren, the Levites. So we see that Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the remnant uh, really had a focus to put God's work first in their lives. They had a, an idea that they wanted to put God's work first in their lives. Remember that in correlating uh, the correlating text there in Nehemiah chapter 8, 1 and 2, the remnant is asking Ezra to bring the law of Moses. Okay, there was a focus on God first. They, they, they together, uh, they, they asked Ezra to bring the law. They wanted to hear what God had for them. Uh, so there, there was this priority in their lives that could not be shaken. For, their, uh, for that to be the case across so many must mean that there is a great fervency, a great fear, a great honoring of the Lord. Uh, and and I, we, we've said that, yes, it was a remnant, it was a small section, but it was still a, a gathering of 50,000, 50, okay, ish. Um, so to have that many and, to, and for them to say and to not, you know, scratch and claw and say, hey, I'm going to be first. I'm going to be in power. I'm going to do this. I want to be in, in prominence uh, for them to say, yes, let's hear what God has for us. Uh, that was that was something to to uh, to understand and so, something to uh, to take place there. Uh, so we take a look at verse eight and nine and we see that two, there's two similar phrases. If you take a look back at verse eight and then verse nine, there's two similar phrases. Verse eight tells us that they are going to set forward the work, that they are going to set forward the work. And then verse 9 tells us that they are going to set forward the workmen. Okay, first we have the work, and then we have the workmen. Their or, this order is obviously, this, uh, obviously gives us then priority to the work. The work is first. Uh, so this is helpful as we take a look at church today and the priority that we have today. God and the work first, and then the people who will, who will fulfill the work Second, God and the work first, and then the people who will fulfill the work second. Here's an example. There should be a, a priority to evangelize the people of South Riding and our surrounding areas, right? We would agree with that. Uh, we, we should have a desire, we should have a priority to evangelize this area. This priority should not happen only when there is a faction of people to do it. Okay? For CBC, for Community Baptist Church, whether there are people to do it or not, the priority of the work, the priority of, of God and, and us reaching our community is there. Um, and and I'm, I'm telling you here now that this is a priority for CBC. Um, and, and whether people, and I'm not saying anything negative here, but this is just the example, but whether people do it or not, uh, the priority is still that we would reach these people. So we see that, that idea of the priority of the work being before the priority of the workman. Another example is this. Uh, I work with music uh, here. And, and uh, Christmas is coming. And uh, let's just say, I forget, we, we've been having some rehearsals in, in a small group. Uh, but let's just say that we have six songs, something like that, I don't know. We have about six songs that we're working on with, uh, with groups. There's some solos and different things that we're working on. Uh, but let's just say, for example's sake, and I didn't really even look at the music to figure this out for real, but, um, but let's say four of the songs have solos in them. 
And, you know, I, as the music director, will have the solo in every single one of them. Um, why? Because it's a matter of position. I'm that important. You say that's ridiculous sounding. And I say, yes, absolutely. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous sounding. Uh, you say that would never happen. I say, I- I've not even uh, seen, I've not seen that kind of idea or that kind of attitude with anybody here. And, and that is not my idea. Okay. That is not what, what I would want. Okay. This is the example again, where, you know, we see that the, the priority should be for the work and for God first, and for the and then for the workmen second. I should not place myself because I'm the music director. Okay, I should not place myself uh, in a, in a position of importance above the work that is being done. The work is always more important. God and the work are always more important than the workmen. Um, let me find my place here. So we as Christians, as, member, as members of the family of Community Baptist, must decide that we will be a people that put God and his work before the pride or the power or the position of any one, uh, of any one member of the church. Okay? So here's the question, and it kind of all lays out to, this, to, the, to these two questions, really. Do we use the worker, do we use the worker to build the work, or... Do we use the work to build the worker? Do we use the worker to build the work or use the work to build the worker? And you could take that some different ways, but the application here is that the work would build the worker uh, because God's work is always in front of us and God's work is always the priority and it's always there. We're just waiting for that person to come in and take that work. The, work and work, uh, the worker comes in second and fulfills the work that is in front of them. So God has that work in front of us. God can build you. He can edify you. He can grow you in him if you're willing to do the work. If you're willing to do the work. John 3.30, a great little tiny verse. Uh, and it just says, he must increase, but I must decrease. Uh, and that, that should be our idea on a daily basis, in our daily walk, uh, but then within church ministry as well, uh, that it should not be a, a, a position where I'm just going to go in and, and, and handle this thing. Um, the work before the workmen, the work before the workmen. So we see the priority, the priority of worship. The second one that we have tonight is this, the praise in worship, the praise in worship. And, uh, and I added a little thing there. It said, I said, in trial or triumph in trial or triumph Um, so we're not talking about the praise in worship that's a whole other topic okay Um, but the focus here is our praise in worship our praise in worship all of our worship is not praise but all of our praise is worship all of our worship is not praise but all of our praise is worship ezra chapter 3 verse 10 we're moving on and it says this it says and when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with symbols to praise the Lord. By the way, Asaph <clears throat> wrote 12 of the Psalms and was a very important person in the life of David uh, after the ordinance of King David of Israel, the verse says. Verse 11, and they sang together by course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord because he is good for his mercy endureth forever. For, uh, endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout, and they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. We know that God punished Judah with captivity in Babylon. We also know that there were some good people along the way. 
there were some good people along the way. Not everybody in captivity, captivity was bad. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, uh, Zerubbabel, uh, who, who led the remnant out of captivity. You think if he led the remnant out of captivity, there must have been some time of, of growing and of, and of learning and of being uh, close to God before all of a sudden he's the leader leading them out of captivity. Uh, the descendants of Asaph. I'm a music person again, right? So listen to this. The descendants of Asaph, the priests who played the trumpets, they didn't wake up one morning and all of a sudden they were perfect percussionists or perfect trumpeteers. Uh, they had to learn. They, they had to, uh, to know those instruments and to be praising God with those instruments before all of a sudden, now it's time to praise God. Let me break out this instrument that I've never touched before. So these people, uh, they, they were, there were some people there that, uh, that were good along the way. <clears throat> These people continue to praise God, to worship him in the middle of captivity, the middle of the trial. <clears throat> Excuse me. Have you ever seen some of these self-help books, Christian or otherwise? Uh, the author talks about trials that they've gone through, the deep, dark places that they ended up, uh, the backsliding that they may have done. And we see all of the bad. Uh, and then at the end, you know, we, we see this comeback uh, <clears throat> and we see. That these people were in a deep, dark place, and it was a horrible thing, and it was a horrible thing, and then they've been brought out of that, uh, out of that thing. That is not what we're talking about right now, okay? Some of these people went through captivity. Some of these people went through the trial and praised God all the while. They, 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 these were not the people that went far away from God and, 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 were, and were complete and horrible, horrible people. Uh, these people were striving to live for God all the while. Uh, there's one example that I have that, of that in current day, and I probably could come up with many. Uh, but, uh, but there's a man, and you probably know his name, uh, some of you. His name is K- uh, Kerry Schmidt. And he wrote a book uh, a number of years ago called Off Script. Uh, Kerry Schmidt what used to be an assistant pastor over at Lancaster Baptist Church in, in Lancaster, California. Um, and, and he found out that he had cancer, uh, some kind of lymphoma, lymphoma something or other. I'm not really sure exactly what it was. But he found out he had cancer. And he actually was in the D.C. area when my wife and I were, were living in Maryland. And we visited with him uh, and were there at a conference that he was at uh, the week of him starting his cancer treatments. Um, The significance of difficult circumstances diminish greatly in the presence of God. The significance of difficult circumstances diminish greatly in the presence of God. Um, there's some quotes that, that I have from this book. And, and really what the thrust of this book is, and really Kerry Schmidt, he had a desire, and he talked to me about it, and I've, I've heard him speak about this before, but he had a desire to write a book, um, not at the end of a trial, not at the end of something where he finally comes out and he's victorious at the end and, and you know, he, he was in this deep, dark place, but he decided that he was going to write this book in the middle of his trial. Not at the end of it, not when he was victorious, but he wrote the book in the middle of the trial. And he wrote the book from the perspective hey, of, hey, let's worship God, let's stay faithful even in the midst of what we're going through. Um, he wrote this. He said, if you, this is just some different things from the book. He said, if you do not walk with God... You're wasting your trial. He said, a trial is like a precious treasure that God places in our hands and loans to us. It's a trust, a sacred trust. It's an opportunity to show his grace and goodness to others and to be used by God in a very special way. God doesn't give trials to someone unless he has a special plan to use it. He says this, he says, many may pray for you, 
Many may encourage you. Many, many may reach out to bless you. And you will thank God for each and every person who does so. But no one can be God for you. No one can walk with God for you. No one can make you enter his presence and to hold on to his hand. That is something only you can choose to do. And then right there, the last quote that I had for you, it just says, The off-script season is simply a time when God's greater glory is magnified through your greater weakness. And so we see just this example, and probably many of you could come and give testimony of, <clears throat> of God in the middle of your trial. And, and you know, pray so, but that you stayed faithful even in the middle of that trial. Uh, my, my mother... Uh, raised me and, and, and uh, passed away when I was 26 years old. She was diagnosed with colon cancer in, in uh, 2000. She passed in November of 2006. November of 2006. For six years, in the middle of her trial, she had joy because of Christ. There was definitely some difficult times. Uh, I talked to my sister about, about my mom this week some, and, and she said, hey, you really need to share this at least one of these stories. Uh, and so... Um, the one story is just, just a little blurb here. She said she, she would talk about her cancer <clears throat> and how, how the doctor said that she was going to lose a ton of weight because of the cancer. Um, and she, whenever she went to the doctor, the doctor always said how good it was that she wasn't losing any weight. And she was so upset because, of, because her cancer wasn't helping her lose any weight. <laughs> um, there was another, another time... Uh, she, she would lose her hair. You know, she, she went into remission a few times. She would lose her hair and the hair would, you know, her hair would come back and things like that. Uh, but each time it would come back different. Uh, uh, my sister wrote to me. She said, if you remember, mom always got perms in her life. One time her hair came back, be- uh, beautiful curly cues. She loved that she didn't have to get perms anymore. Uh, when she lost it and it came back flat, she was upset, uh, which is just another example of, you know, she was just excited about you know, the different things that were happening in the middle of her trial. Um, but for me, I, I just remember <clears throat> her being a faithful wife, a faithful mom, a faithful Christian. And she used her trial as a means to be a witness. <clears throat> um, I remember telling my mom three years into me teaching in a public school system um, and I, I remember telling her that I, I believed that God was calling me into a full-time ministry. And her response was two words. She said, I know. And, and that's just a, a mom. She knew already. Uh, but just her being faithful to God and her seeing uh, that in my life and her be, using her trial as a means to be a witness uh, is, is just an amazing thing to me still. Um, you know, this is not my notes, but one of the reasons that I felt God... Uh, calling me into full-time ministry, and this happened even a little bit later than that conversation, um, but the day before my mom passed, we were in a hospital in New York City, Sloan Kettering, and, um, you know, up a number of floors, and the day before she passed, I remember being in the, in the hospital room with her, and I remember her physically trying to get up out of bed one more time to reach her sister, uh, who was not saved at the time, and uh, I just remember that, and, and just that impact on, on me and my life. And then looking back at that, even a few days after, and remembering, you know, hey, the day before my mom passes away, she's trying to reach somebody for Jesus Christ. 
uh, just the impact of that in, in my life. Uh, and, and it was just an, an amazing thing. But we see faithfulness through a trial. Faithfulness through a trial. Uh, I, I forget if I mentioned this verse this morning, but Psalm 57.7 is one of my favorite verses. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. It's interesting that it doesn't say my flesh or my face or, or, or whatever man might see is fixed. It says my heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. God sees our heart, and he knows that, that our, our heart is what matters. And so when David says that in Psalm 57, 7, we know that David really did. He was really fervent. He was really honest with God. And he said, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. It doesn't matter what comes into my life. It doesn't matter what's going on today, tomorrow, yesterday. It doesn't matter what's going on. My heart is fixed. I'm going to live for you. And so we see the faithfulness through the trial, and we see the praise of worship in this, uh, in the midst of whatever is going on, blessing or heartache. It doesn't matter. We need to praise God. The next point we have this evening is the perspective. The perspective. I'm going to jump back into Ezra 3. It says this in verse 12. It says, But many of the priests and Levites and chief of of the fathers, who were the ancient men that had uh, seen the the first house, when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, wept with a loud voice, and many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not uh, discern the noise of the shout or joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the noise was heard afar off. <clears throat> these people are of an older age. Verse 12 is speaking of, of these older folks in the, in the group. Uh, these are those that are at least 73, 75, uh, maybe 80, maybe even older. Captivity was 70 years, uh, 70 years long. And these are speaking of people who saw Solomon's temple before that before captivity, before it was destroyed. Uh, We spoke last week of the idea that that this may not be as extravagant looking or as big as the first temple, Um, although uh, what we're talking about here is just the foundation. That's where we are in in the book. Uh, So it's not finished and it's not even close. Uh, But what we see here is when uh, uh, we see that they were so excited to see this this temple starting to come together. Uh, When you had something... uh, something good really going in life and, and that ends then you see your children pick it up again okay that's what's going on here uh these older folks they were young when when they saw solomon's temple they they exited scene they were in captivity they're coming back now and they're see, seeing uh their their family their their kids their grandkids that are picking it up again and they're 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 having the desire once again to live for god and to to rebuild the temple and so we see uh, the joy that they have, that their legacy uh, is not lost and that it will continue. Uh, there may have been many feelings of, of, of the restoration there and the fact that the legacy will continue in spite of their own actions. Uh, their own actions brought them to captivity. Uh, but then we see that they've come back. We see that they come, they've come back. Question for you, and I, and I, I ask this question to myself, and if, uh, I know the answer, but have you ever messed up and actually apologized to your kids. Some of the parents in here, you've messed up, and you go and you apologize to your kids. Uh, I have. I have. Um, and the best feeling in that situation is uh, being forgiven by your children. Being forgiven by your children. 
The remnant is saying what here? They're saying our forefathers were punished by God because of their sin. And then they say we will not be affected by their mistake. We will come back to God and strive to live for him once again. Uh, we saw that a little bit last week. We saw that in Nehemiah chapter 8 and uh, verse 1 uh, where it said, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street. Uh, that was before the, uh, the water gate. And they spoke, uh, they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law to Moses. So we see that again, that they wanted, uh, them, they wanted Ezra to bring the, uh, uh, the book of the law of Moses to hear from the word of God. And they wept after hearing the word of God. They wept after hearing it uh, because of conviction, maybe because of deep love for God, maybe. Uh, but hearing the Bible for, for many for the first time. They heard it for the first time, maybe a lot of them there. Uh, they're, uh, the, they're told to be encouraged in the Lord, and they, they are told for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Is, that is given to them as well. Uh, then then uh, the takeaway here is that the perspective is that God is merciful, and when we see progress in our spiritual walk, it, it is a great time for us to celebrate what God has done. God is not opposed to fun. God is not opposed to fun. Uh, Nehemiah 8.10 says, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so we see that it's okay that when we have spiritual victory in our lives, that we can celebrate that. We can celebrate that. You, you, your kids... Uh, you know, maybe they, they have a spiritual victory. Maybe you, have, you, you see your kids get saved or you see your kids get baptized. Celebrate that fact. Cele- do something great that day. You know, whether it's a, a meal or, or a restaurant or whatever, you know, even you know, a material thing just to show the celebration behind that great event that has just taken place. We saw in, in Nehemiah 8.10, the Bible says that they, they need to eat the fat and drink the sweet and send portions unto them that are, that are, who have nothing prepared. So, hey, have a celebration. Uh, have, have, a, a, have fun in those spiritual victories, in those spiritual victories. So then we see the perspective. The, the next one is the problem. And this is where we're going to end tonight and pick up again next time. But we see the problem. <clears throat> what do we know about victories? What do we know about victories? If you are the victor in anything, someone is the loser, right? Um, if you win a race, everybody else did not win the race. Uh, if you get the promotion, nobody else got the promotion. Uh, there, there is someone who is not the winner, okay? If there is a victory, then there is somebody who did not have a victory. And, and who, is the, who is the one that did not have, who does not have the victory in our lives when we have a spiritual victory, it's the devil. Okay, there's always somebody who is the loser, and you know what? It is okay if we make the the devil a loser by our own spiritual victory. Uh, that is that is something that that is good to do. Uh, we see the adversaries here uh, were not anything new uh, to the Jewish nation at this point. In Ezra chapter four, verse one, coming back to where we started, it says, "Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard." That the children of, kept, of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel. Then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said unto him, Let us build with you, for we seek your God and as ye do. And we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Esarhaddon, the king of Azar, uh, which brought us up hither. We're going to talk more about the adversary in the midst of your victory next time. But for tonight, no... That with spiritual victory, 
will come the world, will come your own flesh, will come possibly the devil knocking at your door to try and pull you back down. We'll try and pull you back down. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So every single time that we have a spiritual victory in our lives, the devil is the loser. Tonight we need to make sure that we don't let him discourage us in our victory. Because when we win, he loses. When he loses, he tries to pull away our win. So tonight, let's just recap real quick and we're almost done. Number one, let the work build you. Let the work build you. You don't come before the work. The work comes before you. The Christian life is a path of descending to greatness. It's getting ourselves out of the way so that God can work. It's getting ourselves out of the way so that God can work. And this is the priority. Number two tonight, praise is sometimes not fun. But it's necessary for us to come through on the other side. Sometimes we praise God because he's all-powerful, he's omniscient, he's sovereign, not because we're having a blast at the time uh, uh, that we're in, but because we know that God will take care of us. We need to praise him before the trial, after the trial, and right in the middle of it. So we see the, tri- the, the praise. Number three, celebrate spiritual victories. Celebrate spiritual victories. You see a blessing of God in your life, celebrate that. Uh, You have financial blessing, health blessing, relational blessing, something that brings you closer to Him. Celebrate those times in your life. Uh, uh, Make those times in your life solid. And and make those times in your life something to to set up something where you can remember uh, that time in your life with, okay? Talk to him uh, 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 and praise him. Sing to him. That's what the, uh, the nation of, of uh, the Jewish nation did, and uh, that's what we can do again today. The, sp- the perspective here is to see that God's mercy and his blessing in our lives, uh, so we need to see his mercy despite our sin nature. We need to understand that God brought them back from captivity. So celebrating, celebrating those spiritual victories. And then number four, sin is always a possibility. Sin is always a possibility. Satan is always looking for whom he may devour, as First Peter 5, 8 tells us. Walk circumspectly this evening. Walk with purpose. Let God be the priority in your life. So tonight, prioritize him, praise him, understand the perspective of his goodness, and then watch for the possibility of problems. Walk circumspectly tonight.